I think this is just the most appropriate episode to say uh, rip to a real one. Uh, we laid Toby Keith to rest this week. So. <laughs> oh, my. So that, that is a kismet. That's for you, Malcolm X. Confluence yeah, I, God, Truly kismet. So I this. Oh, wow. I want to see Spike Lee's Toby Keith biopic. Well, in, in, in other cosmic coincidences, this was playing uh, at uh, our downtown Harkins Theater this week for their, their Tuesday Night Classics series. So I got to go see it a second time. Big. Uh, and I went with our, our Tiptoes guest, Nick Sanford, and I, we went, but he, he didn't know anything about the film and was telling me that because of uh, the passing of one Mr. Keith, uh, which was, you know, happened the day we were going to see Malcolm X, he was going to wear his American flag button up. I did not tell him about the opening credits of this movie because I wasn't sure if he was doing a bit or if he just was going to get to have that fun surprise when he got to the movie. He did not wear the button up. Um, Probably worked out. Yeah, thank God. Uh, <laughs> pretty okay crowd, you know, for a three and a half hour movie on a Tuesday night. How big was it? Uh, less than two dozen people, but probably more than a dozen. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, 15 people. Nice. That's Maybe bad. up to 20. We have Tuesday night, three and a half hour movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what you want. I mean, for a yeah 30 year old. Three yeah. and a half hour movie. Yeah. yeah. Not a new release. Yes. Not yeah. Napoleon. Yeah. 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 It was like, I don't know that half a dozen people would have went to see Napoleon. So. All together. No. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Honor Cast. We gather around a table. We discuss the films you'll never discuss in the film space course. Uh, we have gotten back to our business of doing those kinds of trash movies. However, we have a, post, a host. There pick. you go. He said he, he played his cards. This trash movie that is Malcolm X. However, <laughs> we have a host pick this week. Oh, we do. Yes. Oh, we're from, not just doing this. From Mr. Dalton Stewart. Oh, that's right. I'm the reason we watched this. And uh, therefore, we're sort of out of those trash waters, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Are Uh, we, though? We are. Um, Are we, though? We are. We are. Are we, though? I'm still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. I'm still Dalton. I almost said Dalton. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I am still Dalton. I'm not going to do a bit about changing my name or... You know, forsaking pork or anything. Okay. No, no jokes. No, no, no. Yeah. It's light episode, probably. We'll see. Forsake uh, the long pig. I know, I know, I know I, well, us. I did forsake the long pig. That's true. <laughs> see? Yeah, yeah, you do know us. It takes five well, seconds. The fact you had to forsake the long pig raises a number of questions. You don't know my life. <laughs> you don't know where I come you from. Know. You don't know what I've gotten up to. Uh, in case you are tuning into the show for the very first time, this is an analysis show and not a review show. And that thus and therefore means we will have to spoil the movie. Uh, <laughs> we will be spoiling the life and times of uh, El Hajj. Yeah. Uh, Malik. Shabazz. That's the uh, Malik, Malik Shabazz. Malik Shabazz. I didn't yeah. I, I didn't know. Oh, yeah. I guess it is El Hajj. Yeah. yeah. His real name's not Malcolm. <laughs> well, not anymore. Um... Anyway, uh, we'll talk more about changing names uh, and all kinds of interesting uh, social artifacts and whatnot uh, and spoil how things end. Um, But we'll avoid that for the first part of the show. We'll have a synopsis, uh, which will be spoiler-free. We'll have quick thumbs-up, thumbs-down reviews, like you might read on a review website or in a newspaper if you're from the 1920s. And then we'll move on to a little game we like to call Expanding the Syllabus, wherein which we will um, probably have thematic spoilers, if nothing else. Uh, Then music plays to let you know we've gotten down to business, and that's when you know all spoiler bets are off. So, therefore, um, Mr. Arthur Gordon, can you delight us with that syllabus or synopsis, please? A troubled young man finds himself in prison where he discovers the power of Islam and comes out the other side destined to become one of the most powerful voices in the civil rights movement. 
Can I tell you, I just heard Huey Lewis in the news and the power of Islam. All my head did. The power of Islam. Okay. Could be a like, uh, yeah. man, uh, what 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 would happen if Islam would put together parody uh, music? Like- Malcolm X, the civil rights leader. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Uh, all right, well, let's do- <laughs> we are silly today. Um, I'm too sleepy. Yeah, you, you guys have been up a lot longer than I have. Dalton, you're a picker of the film and also Virgin viewer. I am because you had. You had seen this before, yeah. Because you're 130 years old, and Correct. so you were there when it came out in, in cinemas. But first time watch for you too, Arthur. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I uh, I picked this up. Um, it it got released on Criterion a year and a half ago, two years ago now. Um, and our 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 dear sweet friend Caleb Masters gave me a little Barnes and Noble gift card for my birthday, uh, right as uh, the Criterion sale was around the corner. So I picked this up, and it's been sitting next to my other, you know, Blu-rays, waiting. Waiting for the right moment, and uh, when Arthur told me I had a host pick, I decided this would be a good time for it, and uh, I'm very glad I, I carved out an official reason to watch this movie, because it, it really gave me a chance to go deep. You know, I watched the 1972 documentary um, narrated by um, uh, James Earl Jones um, that comes on the Criterion edition. Um, got to watch um, some new stuff with Dory Lindo and the composer... Really, really good, solid Criterion release. Uh, but yeah, we uh, we also took a week off, so really just got to feel like I, I got the chance to go deep on this movie, and I'm glad I did because it is a a big text. It is obviously sort of epic and in, in length and scope, um, but I think that that is appropriate. I think um, Malcolm X is a larger than life figure in many ways. Uh, you know, it tells the story of a dude who goes through like four, get arguably five reinventions, you know, depending on how you, you slice it. Um, but you know, he, he goes on this journey of reinvention and self-discovery and uh, like in many ways, as much as it's like a historical biopic, as much as it's, um, you know, based on true events, epic, it's also just like a story about a dude trying to attain self-actualization. Uh, about somebody who sees a problem in his community um, that needs to be addressed and goes from trying to avoid that to trying to confront it uh, and and who he metamorphosizes to become in, in that pursuit. And it's it's so captivating, uh, and not the least of all because of Denzel giving probably the best performance he's ever given. Uh, you know, if you listen to the show, that we're, we're big fans of, of Mr. Washington here, uh, and holy shit, what a performance. I mean, he's just, it's its electrifying. It's, it really is incredible stuff. Um, and again, like, he he gets all of these, these different moments in Malcolm's life and portrays him over the course of you know, 15, 20 years. I mean, you know, really kind of a long span of his life and um, convincingly, you know, portrays that that youthful rebellion, portrays that, you know, older sensitivity, portrays that resignment to fate and destiny. Um, really like everything that Malcolm goes through, Denzel shows you on his face. But it's not just the big stuff. Like, you know... You know he's going to crush the speeches, right? Like, if you know Washington's career, you're going to go into this movie and you're like, okay, well, obviously, like, great actor playing a great orator, the monologues are going to be there. And yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But, like, the little stuff is there, too. And, like, like one moment where he's you know, he's on the phone with Angela Bassett as Betty Shabazz and he, like, asks her to marry him. 
Um, and they, you know, they have this really cute back and forth about, you know, how they're, they are going to go ahead and get married and he hangs up and he like lets out this like very nervous sigh and, and lets out the, the kind of the classic Denzel laugh, but just, you know, modulated a, a little bit to be this different person. And, Ooh, it's such a good, like actor movie star moment. Like, it's just like the synthesis of like being a, you know, capital A, capital S or capital M, capital S movie star, but also like real acting, like real, like grounded humanity. Uh, and that that kind of to me, that moment is like a microcosm for this whole performance that really, really carries this movie. But, um, you know, I don't want to just get hung up on that performance because I think top to bottom, the craft here is really spectacular. Uh, Ruth Carter's uh, costume, I mean, kind of one of a legendary uh, costumer at this mm-hmm. point, but even in 92, just like the suit suits, the the Nation of Islam suits, the dresses and the ballrooms, like the costuming. And this is great. The production design is astounding. Um, there's a really good, I think I mentioned this already, but uh, that Criterion's got a, a reintroduction with uh, the composer, whose name I don't have right now. Um, but uh, he he kind of talked about, you know, coming up and, and working with Malcolm on a couple of things um, as sort of like part of the ensemble before becoming his composer. Uh, and he's worked with him a couple of times now. Um, but uh, Terrence Blanchard, that's what it is. Um, but uh, this was like the second movie he scored, which is insane to me because it, it feels so epic and like the uh, there's that moment where they do the march from the police station to the hospital is this like marching band percussion to it and like the horns. It's, like, ugh, it's all great. I mean, like top to bottom, like it really is. You're not going to find craft better than this. You just aren't. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it is top tier. Like, And that's what you want from a movie like that's this long, this big in scope is doing this much. You want, you know, you want it to feel like all the money ended up on screen. It's crazy that this was less than a $50 million movie, even in the early nineties, it mm-hmm. feels like it's bigger than that. And I mean, the story of how they Dustin and I got to watch a little, uh, bit of the, uh, end of one of the making of documentaries together, right? As he, he picked me up to come here and, uh, I, I'd heard tell of this and forgotten about it, but the, uh, the final financing coming from Spike Lee going to, you know, prominent African-Americans in the, from the early nineties and, uh, getting the money from them as basically gifts to, you know, help secure the financing. Cause Warner brothers, uh, got cold feet and wanted a, uh, a Spike Lee budgeted Malcolm X movie and not a studio budgeted Spike Lee movie. Uh, so kind of a, kind of an interesting story there on just, you know, the pursuit of making this film as big as it needed to be made. Um, and you know, it's, Still kind of crazy to me with with inflation, you know, Uh, thinking of a recent over three hour long historical epic that uh, came out and was over $200 million and does have kind of a digital sheen on it. And, you know, 30 years ago, you could make a similarly gigantic film for a fraction of the cost. Truly, truly weird stuff. But uh, yeah, I'm just very taken with this movie and I've I've had a lot of fun the last two weeks, you know, visiting it multiple times and and sort of doing some research on Malcolm and and his life and and times. And yeah, I'm I'm really, really struck with it. I uh, definitely get why folks like Scorsese and uh, Ebert said it was one of the best movies of the 90s. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm kind of in that camp. What about you, Art? This was a first time watch for you as well. How, How did you take to it? I know you were kind of dreading having a long one for homework. Yeah, well, it was just I have like two free nights 
So yeah. I didn't know that I was actually going to have a time to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, was my concern. Well, did you end up doing it in multiple sittings, or did you I do did? I just had to take a day and do it because I didn't have time. Gotcha. Um, so I watched it in multiple parts over a course of a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's too long, um, but I want to be. I like it. I do. I really like it. So I'm I'm going to come off critical, but I, I do like it a lot. So don't you know take that as a negative. Uh, it feels too long. I think there's a lot of fat on it. There are parts where it kind of peters out. I think. Um, I think the trip to Mecca is cool, but it feels like it wavers in and out a little bit. Uh, I like the gangster movie at the beginning, but it feels a little too much. And I understand why it's there. Like you want to show the contrast. Sure. Um, but it really feels like Lee is playing, uh, Scorsese, which is fun. Uh, so there's some really cool stuff in there. The Russian roulette sequence is so good. Um, and yeah, a lot of it is Denzel. I mean, man, just a dynamo truly legendary stuff. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's at this point, 93, I mean, he's what, 10 years into his career, baby. And he's just showing how good he's going to be. You know, this, what this career is going to be. He's sort of announcing that the rest of the nineties are going to be his decade. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, he's here. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's so cool. Uh, but yeah, everybody else is really fun. Uh, I like when Spike Lee shows up, uh, and stuff. So that's, yeah. you know, fun to see him here. And he's I like fun their little, uh, yeah, they're a little bit, uh, in the, first probably 30 minutes is you know they got their zoot suits on and they're like swaggering through the streets it's so fun like there are moments like <laughs> i really enjoy like shorty tells them to hit the broom with the left hat yeah the rest are yeah. doing the the finger wave yeah. on the right hand yeah yeah those there's so many good bits of business in here and just for me it feels a little too long in that i mean and this is a common criticism i have with most movies no matter how long they are is that i think you could trim them a little bit um but I like it. You know, I don't really know a lot about Malcolm X, so it was really nice to kind of get to see this play out. I've, I've wanted to watch this movie for a long time, so I was thankful to be able to kind of sit down and have a, a good reason to watch it. Um, and yeah, I, I, and I haven't really seen a ton of Spike stuff either. And mm. so, you know, I've seen a few things, so I'm kind of aware of a few things. He, you know, I've seen um, Do the Right Thing, mm. and I've seen uh, a couple uh, Inside Man and um, he got game. Black Klansman, He Got Game. So there are, you know, little things. And there's like this fun, like... There's, I mean, obviously, I haven't seen Mo Better Blues or uh, She's Got a Habit or uh, those movies, but I, I know there's kind of like a, I don't know, there's this w- kind of artifice to his films, like this in the costuming and in the setting. And like, it's very, like, Do the Right Thing has this thing where it's like, it's very much a, you know, a realistic movie in a lot of ways, but there's almost this sort of I get what you're saying. Artifice this kind hyper of hyper realism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's maybe very, that's what it is. But there's, like, it's maybe it's almost like a cart, like it's hyper, an animated filter over it, um, candy coated. Yeah, yeah, something. Right. Yeah, I get especially do the right thing. I get yeah. what you're saying the colors mm-hmm. in that movie are so vivid. And from yeah. like kind of screen grabs and things I've seen from some of those other early movies, like I know that's a thing. So and we see that in the first half of this, in the first hour when he's doing the the crime stuff and we're seeing his. Early life, and we kind of get those elements. I think from you know the Zeus, who's the colors there, mm-hmm. really kind of uh, bring to life the posters and the pictures I've seen of like Mobetta Blues and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I feel like there, and then there's that shift after he goes to prison where it becomes a much more, I guess, drab looking movie. So like stylistically, and to your point, in his craft is is off the charts. I think, um, and calling it drab is not like a knock on the movie. I, I think it's very much. Reflects what's taking place in the movie. Tones. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's definitely. as this character is evolving, as this character is shifting, then so too is the craft and the production, the mise en scène, and the look of the film. So all that's tied in so well, and so there's there's a lot I really do. I mean, I think it's a great movie, you know. Um, and, and again, I've only seen a handful, so I don't know that I could, you know, I think do the right things probably above it for me. 
Um, but I like it quite a bit. I'm glad to finally watch it. Uh, I'm always going to say things are probably too long, and I think you could cut out easily 20 minutes. Like, you're not going to lose a ton in 20 minutes, but I think you could trim it down um, just to tighten it up in spots. But, yeah, I, I like it. All right. Very good. Very good. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. I also like it a lot and I don't like it as well as do the right thing, but that's just because I love do the right thing. And uh, it is just one. Of, it's, it's a great movie. Um, this is also a great movie, though. Uh, it's a movie that is uh, incredible uh, to watch. I, I, I'm i with you. I want that Delroy Lindo versus Malcolm um, story to be told out in a full two and a half hour, you know, um, Harlem Godfather kind of movie. I mean, I, I really want that movie. There's there's an interesting space I think where now this could exist as like a mini series. Sure, you could really dig deep. That's season four of Genius X and King. You guys know about? You guys are looking at me like I'm speaking a foreign language. This is TV series called Genius. I think it's on Nat Geo. Is it FX Rivals? Uh, oh, I know what you're talking yeah, about. It is an yeah, anthology yeah, show. I know about, what you're talking about. Yeah, important cultural figures. And yeah, this season Nat is... Geo thing. Yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, fun. Yeah, and this season's Dr. King and, and Malcolm okay. X. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, want that. Uh, but um, th- no, not versus Dr. King versus Delroy Lindo. No, I knew what you mean. Yeah, I just mean West like, Indian Archie. I just mean as... The greatest bad guy name oh, of all time. He's such a cool name. <laughs> and, and Delroy, like early screen performance for mm-hmm. him too. Like still mostly a theater guy at this point. It's yeah. Just like wild performance yeah love love all of that and i and i love the zoot suits i love the needle drops i like the billy holiday and mm-hmm. uh, all of that that's sort of going on throughout that i think they're really well selected and this um you know, there's less of it after that first third of the movie or so mm-hmm. uh moving on but there's still really really good choices being made throughout and uh spike just has a really good feel for what needs to be done in those cases uh again really really just, i just adore the movie uh and, uh, you know, I, I sort of began by saying I like do the right thing more, but that's not it's like saying I like, you know, Rocky Road ice cream slightly more than I like plain chocolate. But it doesn't mean I'm going to turn down plain chocolate ever. Right. It's it's good. You know, I have inside stories on this man's ice cream fetish. And I, I can tell you I can tell you things. I like ice cream. The uh, sweet tooth on this guy. Well, I, I was, granulated happiness. That's what sugar is. Moving right along. Um, I think the pacing for me really works. Uh, the only place it falls off is in the last 20 minutes or so mm-hmm. after, 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 mm-hmm. um, there is a bit of an epilogue that I think is at times hokey and at times too long. Yeah, um, and we're just in, um, it couldn't be in more disagreement about this, unfortunately, we'll, we'll, but we'll, we'll say, say more when yeah. we, when we say more about it, but I think it just opens incredibly. I love the opening sequence of this movie. We will talk about Best it. We'll opening get, credits of the nineties. Uh, uh, well, I had to do some math on that, but possibly top, uh, top five, top five. I would get definitely concede that immediately. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, the performances are great as we've already mentioned. And, uh, it's just, it, it's, it's a really, really moving story that I think is generally kind of still to this day remains fairly unfamiliar. And I think that is where a lot of cinema succeeds is you don't tell the story that everybody knows. I mean, if, if right now there was a, you know, a documentary about the life of George W. Bush. All of that is sort of in recent memory, and we we all kind of know the pieces of it. I mean, that's sort of why Oliver Stone's W really kind of didn't succeed. Too soon, too yeah. soon and too known. And the presidency right? wasn't even over yet. Yeah, I mean, it came out yeah. in like early '08, right? Yeah. And yeah. I, again, I I think the movie's actually okay. Uh, it's not mm, a it's uh, not a, yeah. it's not a bad movie, but it's yeah. it's it doesn't have the same sort of 
kind of educational interest. Uh, you know, no one goes to the movies to be educated, but we also want to hear something we don't already know. And and so there's there's something to it. even though you might know some of the high points, even though you may have seen a trailer or, you know, that little bit of civil rights uh, history from the 1960s, you might be familiar with where some things are going. You don't really know how they're going to get there at all. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, that is the sort of proper cookbook there is you don't tell the story of Napoleon again. Everybody knows what happens. Uh, you tell the story. I mean, you make a Josephine movie. You make you do something else and really highlight a character that's sort of lesser known inside and around all of that kind of uh, stuff. And again, Malcolm X is um, a character who is known in the civil rights movement, who is named oftentimes and troped in many ways, but his story really isn't known. Uh, same thing with like say, uh, Medgar Edwards is another good example. Um, everyone knows the name, not everyone, most people know the name, but if you, Tell me about where he grew up and how he came to be and exactly what the circumstances were surrounding his death. You would, We would all probably be fairly surprised. And that's what makes for compelling cinema. And so uh, Spike has found the right formula there. And to situate this in 1992, directly following the Rodney King beating, again, we'll see more about this later, um, it's, it's a timely movie and remains timely. So, yeah, like it a whole, whole bit bunch so there you go to listener our feelings are generally pro towards spike lee's joint malcolm x we're going to move on to the next part of our show which is called explain the syllabus wherein we do a thing and arthur's going to tell you what we do i thought you were going to tell us for a second i, was like, <laughs> I know i was I, I thought you were zig and zag and i wasn't prepared uh, expanding the syllabus is a thought experiment where we the hosts uh we're going to assemble an academic course maybe a module within a course uh, maybe a weekend seminar who knows uh based around the assigned viewings for the week and adjacent texts uh that could be anything from books and articles to tangentially related uh albums games uh pop culture art installations uh performance art who knows really truly who knows Indeed, indeed. Well, do you know? Uh, the shadow knows. Um, I think uh, I would do. Uh, this is the bear's place. I was going to do biopics, but I kind of already did that like a couple weeks ago when we did uh, something. I don't remember now. Um, doesn't matter, I guess. A biopic, probably. No, it wasn't. Was it, it was Citizen was, Kane? Ah, and I was th- mm. thinking about Citizen Kane as a biopic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, as a structure, because I, I, I think what you're saying about biopics are historical films is i think i want to go back to that in analysis but uh so for me i, I i'm gonna go with cool character names yeah yeah I guess it's like a day in a class maybe i don't know we yeah, can watch yeah. the clips uh and I'm, I'm gonna pair it with uh, uh two other uh prominent african-american actors <sighs> yes um, so we're gonna watch malcolm x mm-hmm. and think about west indian archie uh, and then we're gonna watch Boys in the Hood, and we're gonna talk about Furious Styles. Sure, uh, sure. the great Larry Fishburne. Great name. Uh, and then we're gonna watch uh, Pacific Rim and Age of Selva's Stacker Pentecost. Mm-hmm. Uh, just an mm-hmm. incredible name. Uh, and then uh, maybe for fun to lighten the mood, uh, we'll we'll look at Cotton Weary in uh, Scream. Cotton Weary is a good nice. name. So that would be it. It would just be a silly little exercise. One of my names. favorite names. You probably wouldn't show the clips here. Is Selma Hayek in From Dust Till Dawn? A Satanica Pandemonium. Great name. Yeah, it's such a great name. Yeah, I would not show that in a class no, at our school. I don't no, think I it's would a good not. idea. <laughs> Such a cool name, though. <laughs> uh, it would be on a list of names I would mention, but I could not show clips. Yeah, I, 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 I do like this exercise, though, because it, it is... I Screenwriting, mean, yeah. Well, and I mean, Denzel's uh, just a... Uh, you look at that filmography and mm-hmm. talk about good character names. Whip Whitaker? Mm. Come on. Yeah. Get out of here. I'm, go. That's I can't... I always forget if that's out of time or... Um, Deja vu. Uh, or, no, um... 
Flight, because the I think it's flight actually. Flight. I think Whip Whitaker's flight. Whip Whitaker's flight, or oh, yeah. what's out of, it, what's but it out of time and deja vu have good, good. Oh, his safe house name is good too. I forget yeah. what it is though now, but I one, can't remember either. Because when you said Whip Whitaker, I thought it was safe house. I mean, it's when you go through his filmography, it really is just like a, an embarrassment of riches when it comes to sick <laughs> character names. Uh, we're gonna get it now. Oh, oh, that rolls right here. Perfect. All right, uh, so in Trading Day, Alonzo Harris. I mean, Alonzo, come on. That's Alonzo good name, Harris. Yeah. Ruben Carter, that's a real person, though, so yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good for there. Uh, Lincoln Rhyme and the Bone Collector. Oh, I forgot he was Lincoln Rhyme, yeah. Uh, let me see. Um, <laughs> Matt Lee Whitlock is his character name in Out of Time. Matt Whitlock, that's what it is. Uh, he's uh, a Doug Carlin in Deja Vu. Okay. Uh, Melvin good. Tolson in The Great Debaters. Whip Whitaker is in flight. Yeah. I mean, Tobin Frost. Safe Tobin house. Frost. Tobin Frost. What a great so name. Good. Yeah. Uh, Roman yeah. J. Israel, Esquire. Yeah. I mean, that's that's an undeniably <laughs> great one. Joe De- Deacon in The Little Things. And of course, John Q. John Q. There's <laughs> John Q and Malcolm X, two important Americans. Yeah, John, John Quincy Archibald. John Q. That's yeah. what a name. What Jake a name. Shuttlesworth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jake Shuttlesworth. Well, very good, very good. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, do you also have a syllabus prepared? I Hang on. Do He well, plays a character named Napoleon Stone in a movie called Heart Condition. What? That is a movie where he stars alongside Bob, Bob Hoskins. Hoskins. And he ends up, Bob Hoskins ends you up with his heart. You told us about yes. this. Yeah. yeah. I just told you guys about this recently. I forgot about this character name. In Napoleon, that, Napoleon Stone. You know, I, Stone. I met That's Napoleon so good. for the first time in my life a couple years ago. Really? I just did not know that people kept using that name. I wouldn't have. I know. No. Weird choice. Napo baby. <laughs> buckets, Arthur Buckets. That's incredible. Uh, so my class uh, is going to be a module within a class. We're, we're doing a, do one of those. Uh, and I'm, I think the class itself would be just, you know, uh, an American history on film would sort of be the, the, the bones of the class in general. We'd sort of mm-hmm. talk about adaptation theory, you know, based on a true story. We'd kind of sort an imaginary of, witness kind of thing. Yes, yeah, yeah. of course, imaginary mm-hmm. witness would come up. But this module itself would be a, a section on the American martyrs. And we would sort of talk about all the good, honorable folk that have uh, had their lives snuffed out by this uh, godless, uh, evil enterprise of theft and murder. Uh, so we would look at <laughs> folks like, uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm mad today, but that's because that's what Malcolm <laughs> would want. Uh, so we would look at uh, Fred Hampton uh, in Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, we would look at uh, Dr. King and the Ava DuVernay film Selma. We'd obviously look at this film. Uh, we would look at Nat Turner, but we would probably not do The Birth of a Nation. Just, you know, let's go ahead and not. I don't want to. That's a whole deal we don't need to unpack. You know, I can't even. I'm just trying to think, pull his name. and it's D.W. Uh, Griffith? No, no, not that birth of a nation. Oh, the, the, the new, the new birth, one. I can't think of nation. Yeah, the filmmaker's either. name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I don't. Lee I don't, Daniels. No, no. I, well, we will be besmirching Lee Daniels. As far as I know, he's innocent. Uh, uh, but yeah, the, the filmmaker on that Nat Turner uh, biopic is is complicated to say the least, and kind of a kind of an icky one. But there's a um, Charles Burnett, the filmmaker, has a, a documentary about Nat Turner that I'm kind of interested in. Uh, it's called Nat Turner, A Troublesome Property. Nate Parker. Nate Parker. Thank you. I knew it was close to Nat, and that's why it was like, mm-hmm. it just, my brain could not pull it. But yeah, Nate Parker's got, you know, some allegations uh, that are soon true, and he was really weird about it. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, as interesting as that movie may or may not be, 
I think we can just go ahead and, and look at a doc about Nat Turner. That might be a more useful text for us in this class. Uh, will we talk about uh, Lincoln and the Kennedy brothers? I don't know. Maybe if we get we have time and I feel mm-hmm. like it. I'm not really that concerned about those guys. Everybody talks about those dipshits to sure. Dustin's point. Uh, we should probably look at some of the historical figures who don't get uh, a lot of airtime. I do think Bobby Kennedy is kind of one of those lesser knowns. Yeah, and know. there is that movie with the big ensemble cast, kind of like Efron and mm. uh, Matt, uh, not Matt Stone, that's the uh, South Park guy, uh, Matt Fox uh, from Lost. It's just kind of like a, a big, sprawling cast. I think Forrest Whitaker's in there, too. I forget who all's in it, but it's like about the people who were at the hotel that night. Okay. I can't even remember the name of the film, so I mean, maybe that, that sounds like I mean, that sounds like the kind of thing you do for a biopic, yeah, too. Yeah, and, and maybe that's the one we would we would look at if we want to talk about Bobby. But, you know, if, if we look at a, a, a Caucasian-American martyr, uh, we're probably going to look at, you know, the good Lord Bird, uh, John Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, either the novel or the miniseries uh, starring Ethan Hawke. Good call. Uh, but yeah, that, that's that's kind of what we would do. We would we'd look at these these larger than life in many cases figures who, you know, put it all on the line for a more equitable society. Uh, and, uh, you know, the powers that be, we're not having it. Um, and I think, you know, we can talk about legacy. We can talk about legend and myth and history. Uh, and, you know, how all these things kind of coalesce, especially when somebody is... Uh, you know, unceremoniously uh, has their life cut short. Um, you know, I think there's a lot there, especially when, you know, pertains to direct government involvement in the case of uh, both uh, Fred Hampton and um, uh, John Brown. Like, I mean, it's mm-hmm. actively the laws of the country said they got to go. Um, right. So I think those are that's there's something interesting there. However, you want to, like, look at the, the fictionalization of history. I think those figures in particular are like really interesting. What about you, Dustin? What do you want to do here? So if I were doing a module with my idea, I would not choose Malcolm X. I would choose do the right thing. Mm-hmm. If I was doing an entire course of the module, I would choose it. And the course would be in this case, uh, would be African-American cinema mm-hmm. and just do a, just uh, an historical review of, uh, again, um, African-Americans making movies in America. This begins with Oscar Michaud, uh, sort of the, one of the founding fathers, uh, uh, simultaneous with Griffith can, comes up with intercut continuity editing. Fascinating. However, the story we tell is always a story about the white dude that did it in the big racist movie. So there's that. Um, Spike Lee would be very happy to hear you say this. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little mad about it. I want to talk about Maria P. Williams as well. Another uh, sort of co-laborator, uh, colleague, co-equal time uh, person with Michaud and her film uh, Flames of Wrath from 1923, sort of high areas, uh, high silent era. Michaud's more in the teens, mm-hmm. she's more in the 20s and as you know, in the 20s silent film they really are cracking the code on the visual storytelling there. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Wrath and Flames, um, uh, excuse me, The Flames of Wrath uh, would be a film that we would look at uh, for that. Now, as you may or may not know, um, African Americans do not work much in Hollywood after the 20s women or men uh, in this case unless they are playing cooks and butlers and we might have some time spending with your butterfly mcqueen-esque performances and whatnot over the course of the 30s 40s and 50s uh, up until the uh, exploitation era and then um, I would hit, I would choose two movies. I really thought about Brother from Another Planet. It's not directed. what a dire fifty years that was. Wow, you just really did have to skip from the twenties to the seventies. It mm-hmm. sucks so bad. It's it's so very. I mean, there are examples, but yeah, uh, they're sure. they're underseen and, and they're sort of one offs uh, in that sense. Um, I was mentioning that I, I really thought about Brother from Another Planet, but if I'm not mistaken, the director's a white guy uh, for that movie. But I do kind of love that movie. Um, I don't know if you've seen that. It's the um, it's the science guy from Terminator Two. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, God. 
His name is a science he's guy, so, not a scientist. Yeah, no, he's so good. I can't think of the character. I'm an name academic. Either. Yeah, you're a film academic. You <laughs> know Joe things. Morton. Joe, Joe Morton. Morton. He's so. What is? And he's got a cool character. Speaking of cool character names, that scientist in T two has a cool name, but. Yeah, I forget what it he's is. Great. He's great. Yeah. So he's in this movie? He's in this movie, yeah. Okay. He, he is, is, the brother, is he the, the brother from another planet? planet? Hell yeah. But rather than doing that, I would choose a uh, African-American science fiction film uh, with um, African-American production stand, st- uh, staff, and I would use Sun Ra's Space as the Place, mm. uh, which is, uh, man, a wild time. Um, now, to get a proper black exploitation um, from that point, I mean, black exploitation itself are what they begin to call in the 50s, and you can see these movies. It's called race movies. Mm. And and they would be oftentimes uh, Caucasian sort of crew and staff mm. with on-screen talent that are African-American. And and sometimes there would be a little play there with some of the staff positions and even some of the key positions. But really, exploitation cinema is where we see this. And so Mario Van Peebles' Sweet, Sweet Backs Badass Song uh, mm-hmm. would be the movie that I'd want to show. Right, Mario and Melvin are both huge names. Yes. Did really? I say Mario or Melvin? You said Mario. Okay. Because it's, Mel- it's Mario who does Sweet, Sweet Back. It's I think. Melvin, isn't it? Me- Melvin's the son. Melvin's the son. Okay, it is Mario. Yeah. I just, I completely... Well, Melvin has a movie about the making of Sweet Sweetback, I think. It's uh, like, yeah, so there's my whole reasonable brain. to get confused. Yeah. Which one was in Highlander 2? I think that's Mel- No, that's Mario. Mario. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, and they work together a bunch too. Yeah, look, it's it's, it's reasonable. <laughs> it's confusing. It's reasonable. Um, but the, I think it's a great example there from the 70s. Uh, we move on to John Singleton and Boys in the Hood is sure. going to be necessary viewing uh, for that. Uh, after that... Um, Hughes this, Brothers in there too, probably? So what? Hughes Brothers while you're in the 90s? Yeah, maybe. I mean, but I'm going to spend so much time in the contemporary moment, I don't know how much time I'm going to end up having left. Mm. And so, because I got Ryan Coogler, I got Ava DuVernay, mm. I've got Jordan Peele, and I've got Spike Lee. Sure. Still to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, I guess you know you kind of talk about Hughes and Singleton to get to Spike, right? Because they're yeah. contemporaries, but Spike's the only one. I mean, uh, both because of the winds of the industry and also you know lives ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spike's the only one who's a contemporary of the kind of the modern African American filmmakers you listed. Yeah, man, that's a bummer. Yeah, it was. It's a thing, man. Uh, uh, I wish Singleton had got to do something after that Taylor Lautner movie. <sighs> man, yeah. But you you like Dead Presidents, I assume, right? I did see Dead Presidents, and I did enjoy it quite yeah. a bit. But I think I saw it like the week it came out. Okay, and that was the last time I saw it. Gotcha. So it has been a long time, and I have a weird conflation with it and the movie Set It Off. Set It Off. That's a great one. It's almost the same movie, isn't it? Or is, is it, it not? No, not really. Just my head is doing the thing. From Your being head's doing four years from, ago. Yeah, it's been a long time since you saw yeah. both of those heist movies from like '92 and '95. Yeah, it sounds it's, my memory's working and that's one of those things where i need to watch it to figure out which one i'm talking about yeah. at this point they both rock do they yeah well yeah, i remember I've seeing them both in the last five i remember years. not being mad about either of them yeah. uh and really having a good time with them but yeah um moving on though with ryan coogler i would definitely want to show and this is a counterpoint i might do with spike lee as well by showing a, a biopic like malcolm x and mm-hmm. then something that's fiction like do the right thing mm-hmm. similarly coogler's got moves like this as well mm-hmm. and so you could do something like um, Fruitvale Station next to Black Panther or next to Creed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more inclined to Black Panther than I am to Creed, although considering students, they're more likely to have already seen that one. And so it'd be easier just to bring that into the conversation, have them watch a third movie instead, because it's all about expanding the palette, right? Um, so that's what I would do there. With Ava DuVernay, um, we've already mentioned Selma, and that's a movie that's definitely, um, again, this sort of historical p- picture to watch. And then maybe thinking about 
she's got a lot of documentary work that I really like more mm-hmm. than much of the rest of what she's done. Uh, I hate to say that, but I mean, I love 13th uh, mm-hmm. Amendment, you know, that Netflix series uh, quite a bit. But I might actually just go ahead and uh, pull the pin on uh, A Wrinkle in Time uh, from DuVernay uh, for that because of production and because of money and financing, uh, Oprah Winfrey's involvement uh, with that, which is also uh, tied to, I found out uh, literally 45 minutes ago, tied to Malcolm X as well. Yep. Um, that some of the money came from that as well. And then, of course, I think I'd end with Jordan Peele mm-hmm. and uh, just talk about, you know, probably Key and Peele just to begin with and then mm-hmm. moving on into Get Out's going to be the movie to watch, I think, for this case mm-hmm. because it is sort of the issues movie. Sure. Of but you talk about Monkey Pop Productions in mm-hmm. general. And, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And his production work as well. And so uh, that's kind of where I'd want to go with this. And th- this would be... It's too short for a course. It's too long for a module. I don't know quite what to do with it. If I were to go ahead and hang on to it, I think you could. I could flesh, flesh it out into a full course. Oh, I could probably yeah. go get in the fifties a little bit more and you know spend yeah. some more time with the race pictures. Yeah. So there's probably ways to do this. I think the nineties is like a, you know because of sort of our you know performatively creeping up on post-racialness in the 90s sort mm-hmm. of are like no we're this is we're we're got it yeah affirmative action we're we're solving problems like mm-hmm. i think that there is like this moment where you do have like the urban picture right has this you know menace to society don't be a menace if you want the you know <laughs> if you want the parody but like there i think 90s black cinema is like a kind of a, a huge moment that you can yeah. really if you don't want to spend a bunch of time on sort of the the race pictures of the 50s and 60s, you can kind of expand that out. Maybe. Well, and I could spend more time with Star Studies as well, I was thinking. Sure. So, um, sure. you know, we already mentioned Butterfly McQueen, but we could also think about uh, stuff like Sidney Poitier. Mm-hmm. And we could think about these sort of Caucasian-made uh, social problem pictures. Mm-hmm. So, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, Driving Miss Daisy, right? Some of these. Green Book. Green Book. The Help. Yeah, The Help, Crash. Yeah. These sort of efforts in this direction and sort of bring that into the conversation with... But again, in a course in African American cinema, just I get having I get, a module it, on well-meaning whites is yeah, yeah kind of like, I get itchy yeah, uh, thinking get about that. doing that. I think there's still a way to expand this out and still keep it, you know, black focused. Probably, yeah, I, I think it probably is. I'd have to think on it a little bit longer, but that's where the syllabus lies for now. And with just that, dear listener, I believe your syllabus just got longer. And I believe now is the time to get down to business. Right. This is the part of the show where we're going to make you think longer and harder about films by any means necessary. <laughs> Let's talk about sticking a hot French fry in your eye in the first 45 seconds of this movie. Yeah, uh, charging the white man right up top. Yeah, well, charging the white man. So we've got the monologue from or the speech from um, Malcolm X, sort of a charging the, the crimes of uh, white majority society against African-Americans on top of a I don't know if you guys probably don't know this flag burning was a big deal in the early 90s like it was like there were constitutional amendments proposed it was just it was a whole thing that we were just going to not you know or do or whatever this is Mm -hmm. uh, a major issue and Spike Lee burns a flag in the first 30 seconds of this movie on top of VHS footage of the Rodney King beating. Um, uh, I mean, it's hokey to call it incendiary, but it is. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what other word to use, man. Like, well, I mean, he comes back to it right in Black Klansman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Finale there. It's yeah. The same kind of ideal. For sure. Well, and I think, I don't know, maybe that's what works for me about the ending of this movie, not to jump 
all the way ahead, but you know, we're talking about the beginning right now. Yeah, but I think like they're tied. <laughs> As Arthur name checks, you know, Black Klansman, and I guess you could name check the beginning of He Got Game too. I sure. just mean mm-hmm. Spike in visual essayist mode, right? Not mm-hmm. in not in formal storyteller, but or not formal, but like sort of you know narrative narrative, or even like sort of narr- conventional or you know romantic, like not mm-hmm. even like Hollywood conventions, but very much more sort of this like I am using montage filmmaking to illustrate a point, not tell a story. Mm-hmm. And I think the opening and ending of this film are him doing both, doing that two different ways very well. And I think that's, that what works for me is like kind of bookends on, on this, this large story that takes place in between these, these two sort of mm-hmm. bookends that we have. But yeah, it's, I, I love that. I love it when he, he does that. I love, yeah. I love, I mean, I remember when we talked about, he got game on the show, we all couldn't shut up about sort of this apple pie opening that he does right yeah and that one and i i think this is sort of very much the opposite side of a similar coin mm-hmm. right of, of just like no this is this is yet another uh letter to america opening from spike and yeah. it's it's a much you know not, not not about the love of the game uh this time it is very very much more about you know positioning malcolm as a a figure that is as relevant in 1992 as he was in 1962 and in 2022 as he was in 1992, right? Mm-hmm. It is like sort of doing the great thing that cinema can do, which says we, we situate this story in both the time it takes place and then the time we're telling it, mm-hmm. you know, we, th- this is, this is now, this is then, and this is now and it's all one thing. And uh, yeah, it's great. I mean, he first screened the movie to WB executives like, while LA was on fire yeah, in April of 92. So it's very interesting. Uh, and again, like one of the few times that's that, uh, Denzel went off book, uh, was in the, one of the big nation of Islam speeches, you know, they're, they got 10 minute mags cause it's a 35 millimeter film and he's just going off book and it's, it's the powder keg speech. Oh yeah. Uh, and that's, yeah. I mean, that's, that is a speech in 62 that is speaking to things going on then and speaking to things that will not happen for another 30 years. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, yeah. Anyway. And, and again, the, the sort of formal brilliance of it, the way it's, it's able to be visually iconic. So you take, um, sort of overdetermined imagery, of the American flag, mm-hmm. and then you put that on top of additional imagery of um, the Rodney King beatings, which they themselves are sort of very, very real and intimate. And um, well, that, that, that's what the whole thing about found footage uh, mm-hmm. films is, is that that sort of uh, less distance, less artifice yeah. attached. That yeah. on top of again a great Denzel Washington uh, recreation of a speech. So you've got the audio channel on top of good score. On is it, it? It's just him. As he's at full power. Mm-hmm. I mean, go, mm-hmm. uh, with both barrels. Well, we haven't mentioned for people who haven't actually watched the film that the flag is burning into the shape of an X of an yeah, as yeah. this is happening. Yeah, and so double imagery there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, just I I just found that to be just formally just the, one of the most compelling things uh, about the movie. It's just like wow, this blew my hair back. It's a lights out opening, mm-hmm. and then goes into sort of this like very classical movie, really like, romantic gangster movie. Well, yeah. as as uh, Spike put it in uh, the uh, the making of documentary, some David Lean shit. Right, yeah. some like we're gonna do this big crazy crane shot. Have the steady cam walk off the crane and then walk across the street to introduce Shorty, played by Spike Lee. Uh, and it's just like with this big band music going. It's just like boom, jaunty Boston, the Warriors were there, and it's such a tonal shift 
from what we get in the opening three minutes. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, nope. Now we're kind of we're somewhere else. We're somewhere some win else. It's it's a different place in time, and we kind of gotta show you how we get there. And yeah, it really is. I I think just a, an incredible like first ten minutes. It's a fun way to play with that biopic framing device of setting us in the present mm-hmm. of the person's life and then flashing us back. Right. Totally. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's cash on stage at Folsom. It's yeah, you know. Malcolm delivering the speech, but he's doing it at a level that nobody that makes biopics knows how to do. Absolutely. Well, and then like wisely doesn't introduce red as the first character we meet, right? Introduce shorty who then introduces us to red. And yeah, it's kind of a, kind of a fun, like, no, 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 you don't get to meet young Malcolm yet. We'll get there. You got to meet his buddy. You can't even like look directly at him yet. Uh, And that, I mean, what a great like Denzel walking into frame moment when he comes to get the conk. He's just all smile. Just like, yeah. there he is, like young and fresh faced and convincingly playing, you know, 10 to 15 years younger than he actually is in that moment. Mm-hmm. Like, really? So that's that was one of the things I was so taken by was like, you know, we talked about this recently with, um, oh my gosh. Um, oh, it wasn't on this show. We just, it was Arthur and I talked about this with um, uh, Priscilla the Priscilla Presley biopic mm. from uh, Sofia Coppola. Mm. Uh, we did a garbage shoot about this. We kind of talked about yeah. Kaylee Spanny, like having a difficult job as far as the age, yeah. you know, range that she has to portray. And Denzel, like same thing. And it's like a long span of years that he has to work with. And I think he's really convincing in terms of like shaving off the years and, and putting some of that, that youthful energy and hope. Um, and not even hope though, because like, red is not sort of a socially conscious guy, right? right. Like he is so in the moment is so mm-hmm. in the, not, you know, hedonistic is kind of a lazy. I mean, word. he's a hustler. hustler. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's, he's just trying to get by. Mm-hmm. He's not mm-hmm. really concerned about the larger world yet. And, and to like kind of show that fresh face. I want to say innocence though, because like he's, he's not like a, he's a hustler because that's what the option is. Like, it's not like something out of like, you know, it's not break. He's not breaking bad. It's just simply this mm-hmm. is life. This is life. Yeah. yeah. And, and like that to start there and then end on the double dolly shot leading up to the, the Abin ballroom. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, what a, what a transformation over the course of three hours. Absolutely. I mean, and so, yeah, we see this sort of transformation there. There's also sort of a stylistic transformation. I mean, if we're talking formalism a lot, because I, I don't know why, because I, I know we're going to talk so much about social social issues, you know, yeah. regarding the film. And so um, we, I want to get to that, but I also just want to make sure that, you know, we don't we don't just do that. We, we look at the movie we as We don't want to sell short, like, how yeah. com- like, not competent, but like a, like, next level the craft mm-hmm. is, right? But um, the jewel tone pop of the first sequence uh, the, I mean, this is again this, there's these these, th- these four palette shifts that occur uh, throughout the film, mm-hmm. and so this incredibly jewel toned um, gangster story yeah. that's told up until the time he goes to prison, and then the movie shifts to this sort of very very pale winter light blue, a lot of blues, the whole, prison sequence, yeah, sequence yeah. there, and then it shifts to the sort of life Malcolm has as a rising leader in the Nation of Islam, which is overwhelmingly uh, weirdly monochromatic. I mean, it's those wool suits, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's a lot of darks, uh, a lot of grays, some 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 earth tones, but more, yeah, more neutral colors it's for very, sure. It's, it's thoroughly, I mean, you yeah. know, black and white are yeah. what are what pops in yeah. that sort of section. I mean, it's 
one of the most colorful splashes you get is the giant mural of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's like one of the most colorful images in that sequence of the film. Which and is about, yeah, yeah. S- sort of raising up, you know, um, idealistic figures, right? Yeah. Which yeah. I think serves an ideological purpose. Uh, the next shift is the trip to uh, Egypt into Mecca, which mm-hmm. with the gold tones yeah. Uh, yeah. break in uh, incredibly. And then it goes back to our black and white palette for the last sequence of the movie, but it overwhelmingly shoots a handful of interior scenes in those gold tones as well mm-hmm. which is almost like you know the sort of rebirth but it's also rebirth leading mm-hmm. we're in spoilers now to his ultimate demise and so again i just noticed that interesting sort of uh, lighting and color and uh, set design choices you know working in tandem there and just thought it worth pointing out i think you're absolutely right no it's some it's some great stuff that like the, the evolution of ernest dickinson's uh, dickerson dickinson Ernest's Emily Dickinson, the the, the cinematography from from Ernest, like who would go on to do Bulletproof with Wayans and uh, Sandler. Mm. What a career choices. What a career. Uh, But yeah, like you're so right. The the evolution of the cinematography throughout is like really does like kind of help hand in hand with Denzel's performance, like Mm -hmm. carry the story Um, that that moment that you're talking about. And I know Arthur, you mentioned that kind of that end feels long. And for me, that that's one of my favorite moments of the movie. I actually kind of want more. Oh, see, I didn't include it in my analysis just then because it doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, I mean the the Mecca part is what I was. Oh, about the to. Mecca part. Oh, I, I thought you were going back to to Africa and then Nelson Mandela. And no, all no, that no, 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 no. Okay. We'll get there. No, no, no. Uh, the the gold tone mm-hmm. sequence, right? Which we do bring some back to America, but like that's I don't know, Arthur you know, maybe once either less there or maybe much more. I don't know. Is it just entirely too much for you or do you just unexpanded upon maybe, maybe like more meat there? I don't know. It just kind of feels, I feel like we should, I, I'm fine with the movie as long as it is. Um, I think we could probably trade some of the gangster stuff for more Mecca stuff. Is kind of how I no. Feel. Yeah. No. I think lose. the gangster I, stuff's too long. I love that, the gangster. I think it's a whole other movie. It's like a full and hour. It just kind of gets cut off. Yeah. From like, opening, I love it, but I, yeah, I, th- I think you could cut 30 minutes from that. and you know, Malcolm X part one, part two. He just goes to prison. Why not? I yeah. think he doesn't end up in prison until like an hour and 20 minutes in. Yeah. Like maybe not quite that long, but close. Cause it's like 55 minutes is the Russian roulette sequence. What? Yeah. Let's, let's give Malcolm X the Dune treatment. Yeah. Now, honestly, two and a half hour. That's gangster movie. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get the two and a half hour. Yeah. Civil rights Post movie. Prison movie. Yeah. yeah. Well, and if we're lucky, we'll get Dune Messiah. So then I guess the third Malcolm X movie would just be <laughs> the essay at the end of the film expanded into no. a full feature. No, yeah. it's over. It's just about the, the essay at the, the beginning cultural, of the film. I mean, yeah. I don't just mind the cultural this. impact of Malcolm. <laughs> that might be actually an okay thing. Yeah, but, yeah um, exactly. Because what it, what we have is tacked on. Well, and I, OK, now I'm getting I'm sorry. Now I'm going Dune mode on you. Uh the thing that's cool about Dune Messiah and cool about the end of this movie. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Hey, bear, bear with me. I, I, I'm going to bear. Bear with me. Real person Malcolm X, fictional person Paul Atreides, but both people who like people love to argue about. That's the whole thing in Dune Messiah is people arguing about the impact of Paul. And that is like every moment since 1965 onward. That's fair. Arguing about Malcolm X and like whether, you know, people. People love to tell black people to not listen to Malcolm X of all colors. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's wild. Uh, it just it, people love to minimize black history in general, but especially sure. an incendiary figure like Malcolm. Mm-hmm. They want to kind of like, and also 
there was this other guy who wasn't named Dr. King who wore glasses mm-hmm. and was kind of angry. And that's his deal. Yeah. We don't really need to talk anymore about that. It's I mean, like, yeah, most of us know anything about the differences between approaches between Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. is from the X-Men, right? It's the hell yeah. Mag- Magneto Professor about Xavier that thing. A couple weeks ago, yeah. And uh, that's almost all that we know about them. And of course, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. also had some of his uh, more controversial edges shaved off as well in the retelling of history sure. over time. I mean, watch the speech, The Other America from the Stanford University dear listener, uh, if you got a moment and realize it was just, you know, very quickly thereafter he was assassinated. It might have something to do with more things than race. I'm just saying. Moving right along. Um, I had something to say and I've kind of lost it. Oh, just thinking about how mad you are about the things that perpetuate racism. Yeah, yeah. Which, uh, yes. Uh, So, but again, Malcolm X's his rhetoric is interesting, and, you know, I, I think the evolution of the movie shows that the shift was necessary for him, mm-hmm. that, that, that there really are two stages, and that we have to sort of allow for an evolution of thought. And, of course, part of that evolution is impeded because of his um, role as a hype man. Uh, for the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. For sure. And so his job there was to propagate his teachings, not necessarily provide any of his own interpretation. As he points out both in the text of this film and in, you know, plenty of speeches after he, like, leaves the Nation of Islam and goes to Mecca, like, yeah, he's he was still figuring out his own mm-hmm. stances on a lot of stuff. I mean, right. that's part of what is so tragic is, like, you you have this this very important man who's, like, really trying to find his own sort of American approach to Islam and like, you know, bring, bring this religion to black communities in America without, you know, sort of the new religious movement to put it nicely, uh, sort of the new religious movement, um, demagoguery stuff going on in the nation of Islam with Elijah sure. Muhammad and, you know, not to, I know that's people got complicated feelings in that guy. So I'm not trying to like, you know, Make a statement one way or the other. I, I do not have a stance on, yeah, you know, any of bad that. Bad to impregnate your secretaries. I think we can all agree we on that. We agree with this, yes. But otherwise, I'm not going to, you know, say one way or the other. But I, it's the point is, like, that that's such such a part of the tragedy is, like, Malcolm is really coming to into his own at, at the end of his life, mm-hmm. and, you know, as probably some law enforcement agencies are allowing an assassination attempt to happen. Right. Probably... A Jersey Nation of Islam temple. It seems that way. There's yeah. still a lot of like uncertainty around. Yeah, it. but it does seem to be an allowed kind of like, oh well, let them do our work for us kind of thing, that right? Certainly seems to be what happened. Yeah, yeah. Both from like what the movie has to say and what a lot of people who know well, things would say. Since I mean, again, it's, again, it's, it's it's still an open case in many ways, but yeah, the historical investigation sort of sides that way. That seems to be the best preponderance of evidence, mm-hmm. you know, at this point. Um, and so, yeah, that, that whole, again, the dichotomy of, you know, choosing violence versus choosing peace and, and that kind of stuff. It doesn't seem that that is the case, uh, for Malcolm, uh, afterward, nor does he seem to be a separatist once he begins to think his own thoughts. Mm-hmm. And, uh, which I, I think is a thing that, uh, many audiences and, and, and sort of contemporary viewers of the struggle would see as something as like, that doesn't seem like a great idea. That doesn't seem like to be the kind of thing that works, but the evolution of the thought I think does show that you might begin at a position and arrive at a different position because that's the entire story of Malcolm X. He begins in a position as a hustler and then arrives at a position as a prisoner and eventually a convert and as a convert, uh, zealous, Mm -hmm. uh, uncritical, 
and then uh, has some other view, uh, you know, by the end of his life. And so I think just just that evolution of thought is probably necessary uh, for us to understand Malcolm, but also I think it's necessary for us to even understand ourselves and maybe the way in which we like look at other people. Well, that's like, I mean, what you just said ties into his experience traveling to Mecca on his pilgrimage, right? It's like the time that he expresses feeling most at peace and most human is in Mecca, you know, making the pilgrimage and surrounded by people who are not thinking about ethnicity and skin color and are Mm -hmm. thinking about their shared experiences, you know, as pilgrims, as, you know, folks, you know, paying homage to Allah and, and Muhammad and, and trying to take their faith more seriously and to deepen their, their spiritual connection with, you know, both other Muslims, but also other human beings. Mm -hmm. Like all of that, like sort of ties into his whole point of like there being a need for, you know, a more spiritual, a spiritual growth in the U S right. Is like that. That's what he comes back from Mm -hmm. saying is maybe, maybe Islam can, can help ease some of the racism. It comes back to pluralist as well. Yeah. A guy, you know, I will work with other civil rights Mm -hmm. leaders. I will work with. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Go, sorry, no, no, I was that, just that was all. With you. Yeah, okay. yeah that, that was just yeah, I was throwing a term. Right, in. I just think you're so right to like point to, you know, that. I mean, the movie also draws that line, right? That that, that pilgrimage is like foundational in sort of him figuring out what he actually wanted to to say and do. And obviously, we don't we don't get to see you know the fruition of that. Mm-hmm. It is interesting, you know that that by any means necessary is paired with the rifle so often, but the rifle is like inter-community violence, which mm-hmm. is that, that famous photo of him holding the, uh, the carbine mm-hmm. uh, is, you know, him keeping an eye out for nation of Islam assassins. Mm-hmm. But it is also very important that, you know, one of the last things he says to Betty is I got it. I think I'm going to stop putting this all in the nation of Islam because not all the people I'm getting death threats yeah. from are people from the nation of right. Islam. Right. Well, and this seems like they can't do what they're doing with them. They're not having help. Exactly. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very, I don't know, dicey and interesting. And it's the, the way the film plays it is so interesting to me. Like mm-hmm. as he's saying this to Betty, right, we get the camera pushing in less focused on Malcolm in the background and more on this, this Mike bug on the lampshade in the foreground. Right. And we mm-hmm. push in on that. And, and then we see the dudes in the truck talking about how he's a saint compared to, to King. And, uh, just like, uh, that into, the police cars seemingly tailing him on the way to the ballroom mm-hmm. and just sort of kind of all around him are squad cars that kind of go by or bind him. It's just, it's just very interesting the way the film is like drawing your attention to the police presence without making it a plot point. Right. In some ways, I think it's like really effective filmmaking. Well, and again, there's a slow-mo uh, when they come in to uh, investigate the ballroom and sort of, you know, recover the body and move him on the ambulance. Uh, there's, there's a sense in which you, there's, there's a, there's a duplicitousness there. Right. And uh, so I think that's also pretty powerful. True to the events, uh, as as I've heard mm. too from people mm. who were there. Yeah, they they definitely say that they just kind of ambled on in, no guns out, no guns drawn, not mm-hmm. really too concerned about what had happened in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, that double dolly. It's it's funny because uh, I guess Spike and Ernest when they were you know working on the end of the film, they were like, you know, we're not gonna, we're not NYU grad students anymore. We're not doing the double dolly shot. Unless it serves the story. It does. And then people started telling them about Malcolm in his final days, like knowing he was going, probably going to get assassinated. It's the day of destiny. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so perfect. You're Mm -hmm. right. Like it's, 
the date with destiny as that's such a perfect way to put it. Yeah. Like it's, it is a man who knows the end is nigh and like cannot see a way out and just like feels like he has to, I mean, that's the, maybe one of the truest tragedies of it all is you, you have a leader who saw no way out other than being martyred. Mm-hmm. There, there was no, there was no peaceful resolution. There was no comfortable, elderly death in bed it, mm-hmm. ha- it had to be this way at least as, as malcolm saw and that that is its own tragedy in a lot of ways it's just what a beautiful way to like dramatize it though and to have the the wrap around especially like as big as sort of christianity i was gonna just say the church but let's let's say christianity is in black communities i think it's like really powerful to have that older woman, especially, you know, the wraparound from the chaplain, mm. and, you know, you know, yeah. where's Jesus now yeah. To, yeah. to wrap that around with the old lady yep. that sees him in the date, date with destiny. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh. and we know Jesus won't protect Malcolm. Right. Uh, but she doesn't. She she believes it. And in mm-hmm. that moment, Malcolm kind of believes it, too, baby. And it's yeah. like, a wow, what a moment. Mm-hmm. Well, and Jesus also goes to his cross. Right. Right. So, I mean, there's there's that anyway. Well, the state has a tendency to kill our finest heroes. Yes. Uh, regardless of how that state finds itself, uh, whether it's, you know, big, big leather skirts or, you know, mm-hmm. curly powdered wigs. Well, and I, and I think Are you talking about Jagger Hoover. <laughs> wow. Um, I was going to say that <laughs> mercy <laughs> sakes. <laughs> just comes in. <laughs> I made my head hurt. Oh, buddy. Um, oh, thank you, Arthur. But I think the parallel, you know, the Jesus parallel, but the, the parallel also with his own father who bashed mm. himself in the head with a hammer and laid down on the railroad tracks. Right. Yeah. Qu- yeah. Scare quotes. I'm making As one does. Enormous scare Normally. quotes. Yeah. And uh, same kind of action yeah. there. And what I thought about, you mentioned, you know, figures who don't kind of get make the front page news of history. Um, you know, his father being inspired, inspired by Marcus Garvey is kind of a figure mm-hmm. that doesn't really, you know, make headline news. Yeah. That, I want that biopic for sure. No, that's I, a, the biopic about his parents would be fascinating. Mm-hmm. Malcolm X's parents. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And Garvey, but yeah, I mean, I didn't even think about how his father's story, like just as within told of the text of the film does kind of pair well there too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, obviously they, there's the fire bombing, right? And they kind of yeah. the film directly draws those parallels. But yeah, you're you're right though to kind of the that Jesus moment really rings true in a lot of ways that I didn't even notice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't even think about think about his dad. Yeah, yeah, you're so right. That I don't know that actor who plays uh, Mr. Little or uh, Reverend you know, Little. Reverend Little, I we should say. Yeah, holy crap, that guy has got the juice. Yeah. He is. Yeah, he's his solid. His voice is incredible and just like, really, a, I'm a man. Whew. Yeah. Ooh. It's a, yeah, such a good bit. And of course, that's an on you know sandwich placard you know yeah. from the from the movement anyway. Sure, but it's just like he's it's, it's Earl Little, Tommy Hollis. Tommy Hollis. Yeah, I, mm. I don't know his career, but he is really incredible in his like what three or four scenes that he has. He's second policeman in Leon the Professional. Hey, you know, there you go. <laughs> yeah. The 90s. Had one of those careers. Yeah, did yeah. some TV, did some movie stuff. Yeah, Just just worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he's great. Let's see. Now, we, we sort of talked about, you know, the the diversity within the movement as far as uh, ideology mm-hmm. and, uh, mm-hmm. and approach. I think we've addressed that. We could say more about it perhaps if we need to. You know, uh, as white folk, we need to hear about the 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 devilish deeds that led into the creation of whiteness right we have to understand that as an institution it is like 
it's bad for everybody. It, it, it negates our own histories so that we can negate other histories. That's like mm-hmm. what the whole deal is. It's, right. it's poisonous for everyone. And while it's probably good for, you know, Malcolm then and good for all of us now that, you know, there's an evolution of thought there. Mm-hmm. The zealotry is necessary, too. Yeah. Both messages are necessary because, yes, there are a lot of people who are not going to be able to hear the I charge the, they're not going to be able to hear the charges and like cope with that, mm-hmm. especially then, but especially now too. Yeah. Got plenty of folk who don't want to hear about it right. at, at this current juncture in history. So you need somebody that's willing to say that and make people hear it. But that's, it's so, you know, at some level it's because there are white people who can hear that and internalize it and go on and also like get other white people to hear it. Mm-hmm. But there is a need for saying like, I do believe in like not separation, it, not not like he's and he's not like whole. It still is different, right? Like yeah, he, he, he becomes still, an integrationist, but not in the same way that Doctor yeah, King was. He, he, well, he becomes uh, sort of um, a confederate. I mean, is is is, is the, I mean, I mean that in the technical sense of the mm-hmm. term that there's an integrated society, but it is made up of confederations of these pocket communities, mm-hmm. right? Because he is still very much like we need you know, solidarity within our own community mm-hmm. before we can start thinking about solidarity with white communities. Right. And like, while that's the message more than like, you know, fuck honkies, which mm-hmm. is, is also extremely valuable. Uh, sure. It, it, to, you know, put it extremely simply. Uh, but again, like it's, it is that trip to, to Mecca that makes him come back and say like, no, I don't subscribe to the tenets of racism. And anything mm-hmm. I said that maybe sounded racist was me trying to figure some stuff out. Mm-hmm. And, and parodying Muhammad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Elijah, Mo- not, not the other one, not the, not who the, you can't <laughs> draw cartoons of. <laughs> yeah, not, 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 not yet. Yeah, not blessed be he or whatever yeah. you're supposed to say after his name. Uh, peace be upon him. Peace you're going to get us like, destroyed or something i don't know i didn't draw any pictures i'm good you're massacring his name you're massacring this elijah muhammad and i just simply said in typical parlance the last name of the person (laughs) did he die with a u anyway not a no i thought you were talking about ali (laughs) did he die like in the 60s or 70s like they show elijah muhammad in such poor health he gets very very sick and does die yeah i knew he relatively Close. He dies in seventy five. Seventy five. Uh, okay. Yeah, seventy five. I, I knew fit, I Minister Farrakhan like is like in charge of the Nation of Islam at this as point. my whole life. Yeah. I mean, I remember him coming to power in Jeez. the nineties. Yeah. So that's that's what I couldn't really gave Nick Cannon a real run with at least twenty three children. Oh my! At God. least is at the note. At least twenty three. Good lord. Well, and you know, I, you simply can't trust a holy man who can't keep it in his pants. Sure. You know. You can't. Bad combination. That's all I'm saying. Bad combination. <laughs> I'll refrain. Yeah. He got jokes. He's got jokes. He agrees with me. That's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, to 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 bring it back to well, um, well, uh, the evolution uh, to, of the message. To, to, I guess to massage that just a little bit, you know, the whole David Bathsheba Solomon kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. your great works can't exceed, and you know Martin Luther King Jr. Also, sure. And, and I do think we can still trust him. Sure. Right, despite sure. you know foibles there, and so there's there's you know there's nuance. Humans are complicated. Yeah, it's weird how how we're complicated, and yet even without the edges sanded off, there is something sort of. I mean, look, we're getting the Hollywood version of the story, but it's interesting how even in the Hollywood telling, 
even with, you know, the violence there, the, you know, the crime there, um, there is something kind of uncomplicated about Malcolm mm. in, in some ways. And I, I don't mean to like yeah, yeah. say that in a way that like diminishes him. I know what you mean though. Yeah. He is like, what, what's his big violent outburst? Don't say a word against my mother. Mm-hmm. Like that's, you know, what, when is he like being, I don't know, kind of weird towards a woman kiss my foot like it's it's about the 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 racial charge between the two of them it's about the power dynamic between them right like anytime he's doing something he was also a kid right he's like like fucking 19 yeah Yeah, exactly um so there's there's all of this going and i i definitely think sophia is like meant to be portrayed as older than malcolm Mm -hmm. that's the read that i Mm -hmm. i took from it um but yeah so like anytime he's doing something that you can maybe like question his ethics well, he, when he's, you know, kind of, I wouldn't go as far as to call it misogynistic, but it's definitely very old school, very traditionalistic. Don't raise your voice with me in my house. Well, I was, even, I was talking about when they're on mm-hmm. their first date and he's like parroting the words that Elijah Muhammad has said to him. Mm-hmm. And like the mm-hmm. way the film shows you that of like, yeah, Malcolm's kind of got some backwards thinking about the way he relates to the women in his community. But right. it's like coming from a good place. Well, it's coming from a bad place from a one guy, but in, in his own heart, it's coming mm-hmm. from a place of okay. good intentions. It's, it's, yes. yeah. it's an improvement on where he was before. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, so anytime we, we are shown a complicating moment for Malcolm, there's always like, you understand it. You mm-hmm. understand like who he is still. And you can see like that he's almost always acting from, even if it's a selfish place, it is still like a, I don't know, like a, it's not a cruel, he's never a cruel person. Yeah. He's always, you know, we, when, even when it's Shorty, West Indian Archie, Sophia, like all of his interactions, even when, well, I guess I, I should say the cruelest he is, is to, um, oh my God, I forgot his name, the the getaway driver who has his own fences. Um, oh, to, uh, yeah, I know who you're talking the, about. The, the guy he makes play Russian roulette with it's like him. an A name, but I can't, yeah. can't get it right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the the black Italian guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, who Rudy? He, that actually might be right. I think Rudy. it is Rudy, whose nose he he like threatens to shoot off. Like mm-hmm. I guess that's the moment where you see like there is something menace there. There is menace within Malcolm. But they they, they pull the rug under because he pulled the bullet. That's still like deeply cruel. Yeah, what he's done is like messed up. Yes, I, agreed. And there agreed. is you know. Yeah, nobody's in on the bit. Nobody's in on the bit except for not even yeah. Shorty, who like figures the bit out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if he isn't on the bit, but that's because she's like. She's, she's got, insane. She's, she's, she's a got a crazy she's person. She's kind of cooked. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I, I was just kind of like doing my the mental math of like, what is the moment in the film that like is most uncomplicatedly like Malcolm did a bad thing here? Mm-hmm. And I guess that's. Yeah. I don't think robbing those people's that big of a deal. Sorry. I've, <laughs> I've been robbed in the middle of the night. If I had that much money, I'm like, all right, well, you know, yeah. whatever. Uh, I, I don't know. It's it is interesting, I guess, like even a warts and all biopic, you still walk away from this going like, I don't know, point point to me a more like a, a better role model for Americans mm-hmm. <laughs> in some ways. Right. Like not that you need to have a zealous religious conversion, not that you need to be on a street corner uh, denouncing the devils, the evils of the white devil, but like to look at America, diagnose its issues and say, how do we move on from here? Mm-hmm. How do we come together and build something better? I mean, that's, that's what yeah. you want in your, in your great American heroes and who transcend Americanness mm-hmm. and say, we are one human community and sort of see that one of the prime problems is sort of this weird, patriotism at all costs well and i think one of the things that the movie is showing us i mean you know making such a thing calling it malcolm x is your ability to change your name 
Mm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that is one of the things that um, empirical society always does is to give you a name, and that's what you're stuck with. And that he changes his name twice, at least, you know, over the course of the film. You I know? mean, for, you could say, right, right, Red, Red. Detroit Red, mm-hmm. you know, when he's, mm-hmm. you know, the, the New York guy, um, Malcolm X and Elhaj Malik Shabazz. Shabazz, yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, it is all about reinvention. And then and, and, and that is... A, a positive thing. It's not. It's yeah, not running yeah. away from. It's not denying. It's just m- moving on, turning a page. Yeah, and, and, that's, that, and that's where I guess I should circle back and be like, yes, Malcolm had some changes he needed to make in his mm-hmm. life because that's did. part of the beauty of the story. Right. There, exactly. He did make changes in his life and figured out a a better way to be that was more productive for him and you know lifted up the people around him. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's. And I guess to me, I guess we can talk about, I know the ending doesn't really work for you. And maybe no. we can kind of work towards like, what what did this movie mean in 92? And what does it mean now? And how do you end a movie about such a great life that's, you know, so violently ended? And boy, is that a, a lot of great figures have been assassinated. Sure. And not a lot of movies say, we're just going to show you how they did it, man. Mm-hmm. We're just going to show you what it looked like. And it's horrible. Yeah. And his kids are right there. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. maybe the most frightening scene it's very upsetting it's so upsetting and how do you end a movie after that you you show you know the impact mm-hmm. you play the the eulogy that Ossie davis gave that which is great it's so good which who is not the movie who, should end who was because he <laughs> loved us so oh my god like oh just like yeah uh, they're beautiful prints uh i don't know man i think that mandela shit works it's you know apartheid is still going on uh at the moment this movie is released into you know mm-hmm. uh barely but yeah, yeah but he has not become president yet and that's yeah. why as as spike tells it that's why uh mandela wouldn't say by any means necessary because mm. he knew it would be used against him like it would be right. like mm. the, that would be the soundbite was yeah. nelson mandela saying by any means necessary right so i, I don't know i think you know, having Mary Alice, uh, the second Oracle for our eagle eyed sci fi mm-hmm. fans talking to PS one eleven or whatever it is in, in the Harlem saying, you know, this is why we celebrate Malcolm X and the transition from those kids saying I am Malcolm X to the South African kids saying I am Malcolm X to, you know, now it's not the New York teacher. Now it's Nelson Mandela talking about the impact. I don't know, man, that works for me. I think all that shit is rock solid. Uh, I don't know what you want. I. And this is where I always go. Anytime I think about a film being didactic, this is why I always go to Spike. Because mm-hmm. if anybody can, like, he just makes didactic films at work. Because they not only say, like, there is a problem. I know, it doesn't work for everybody. <laughs> and and it, that's you're allowed to make that face. Yeah. I, I know that plenty of people don't like it when Spike does this, or yeah. other filmmakers do it. I For me, it's tricky. And I, I like this kind of open-hearted sincerity i really do i feel like it's joe lewis um the punch he didn't give it's going ahead and giving the punch yeah yeah you think it's too much yeah it's like he's already down you don't have to, you don't have to hit him again i don't know man i'm right there with it i i think and maybe it's because i think the cut back to malcolm really works i think i honestly think it would have it probably would have been too cheesy to have Nelson Mandela say by any means necessary. And so it kind of works that he didn't want to say it mm-hmm. because I think that cut back to actual, the only real footage of Malcolm speaking we get in the film. Mm, yeah. You know, um, oof, 
because a change is going to come. Speaking of the great music use in this mm-hmm. film, yeah. I mean that that Sam Cooke used during the yeah. drive, I like Sam Cooke as man. all everyone is converging on yep. the ballroom, like uh. Yep. I don't know. That's that's from screenwriting standpoint, like storytelling standpoint. That's just like a really effective. That that's great. I mean, it's it's the moment of the movie for me. Really? Yeah. Uh, I mean, they kind of, I would have ended it almost probably right there. Yeah. They called it a Godfather moment. That's kind of what I think. Yeah. Scott yeah. Convalescing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I think I like the archival footage of. King direct, directly speaking to mm-hmm. the thing. I like the still the photographs. Violently disagreeable. With. That's, with that's what King says oh, yeah, about yeah. Malcolm's death. Yeah, and then um, the 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 eulogy over mm-hmm. pictures of the continued struggle, mm-hmm. and then somewhere you know you find a way to end yeah. it. You know, and and on that you know image of the actual Malcolm doing the thing, that'd be fine with me. I guess for me it makes sense. You know, um, and it only makes sense at this time and place in history in the early '90s, as we, yeah, you know, South Africa is. You know, finally breaking free. I of, think it's got more. F- I think it's got more juice then, but I, I think it shelf lifed out maybe. Interesting, a little bit. I and know. that that I am Malcolm X bit is it's like God bless America. That that stoop scene in the West Wing is just it's just hokey, man. I just I can't I can't I can't. I don't. There's so many moments for me of this movie, you know, that like harken back to Hollywood history, and sort of you know. Kind of Mr. Pl- Smith kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. well, the Spartan. No, I, am right. I am Spartan. Yes, yes exactly. Spartacus. Exactly. And it is sort of, you know, as you, maybe this is kind of a fun place for us to put a pin in things and get into putting it on the shelf. Um, as you, you know, your class was an overview of African-American cinema, like having the, the black movie I am Spartacus moment is, there's something like really kind of cool there. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I, I can't quite explain, but I, for me, it's, Ooh, that's magic. That's that's what you know because movies are always in conversation with each other. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. I guess. All right, let's go ahead and render us a verdict, then, shall we? What do we say? Shelf or trash? On three, one, two, three. Shelf. Like uh, I can kind of. You predict. were bold on that one. I, right? I, I predicted it. You got cocky. Yeah, I could have said trash. You could have. You could have, but I didn't think you I should have. You should have just to mess with me. Yeah. yeah, you guys can borrow my Criterion if you are so inclined. I have. I'm. I am angry with <laughs> Warner Brothers. I am livid. At Warner Brothers, so the only good to come out of this is that maybe Spike Lee and Denzel got thirty cents somewhere. Sanford is convinced. Uh, I told him about your your journey. So mad. He's I was livid. He's convinced. I watched it, and then the next day it was on. I he's was, you convinced gotta be it's been me. on there for months, and I was like, I'm no, it was off. You, Arthur checked. Yeah, I did. Yeah, <laughs> I checked. That's so. I didn't want to spend thirteen bucks on it. Wow, for two of us to watch it. That's so ruthless of them. <laughs> How could they? How I ended up watching it on they? HBO Max anyway. Yeah, they're always trying to get the white man down. <laughs> <laughs> oh my Jesus Christ! Gosh. Okay, uh, I'm canceling us. Um, well, if you want to cancel us, Dalton's going to tell you how. God. Well, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, good trash genre cast at gmail.com If you got thoughts about that, uh, his name's Arthur Gordon. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's who you can address that, that email to, uh, if you want to find his usually good letterboxd reviews, he's the Arthur Gordon on letterboxd. Um, he's Dustin sells, uh, I'm Dollywood squares, but if you first and last name us on letterboxd, you should find our profiles and yeah, you know, check out our, our little musings on the movies we're watching. If you, uh, yeah, these two have got the giggles real bad right now and I'm just going to try to power through this next part. Uh, yeah, find us online. Letterbox is where we're all most active. Um, 
I'm I'm over on Instagram too promoting the show. Usually though, Dollywood Square is there too. Um, oh, and I'm still doing my live show. If you're into that, if you're local, come check out uh, Alex Sanchez and I's uh, show down in front, uh, Rodeo Cinema on Film Row. Um, that's uh, on Sheridan here in OKC. When do you think you're going to do McClintic? I guess I have to, because you guys have told me we should do it, and my dad told me we should do it. Because I'm pretty sure it's public domain. Yeah, I think it is, because I think it was Because it gets put on all those 50 great movies you need to see or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, This, we will have already done this next one by the time I, this this show's out in Podcatchers. Yes. But we're about to screen a movie from 1938 called Wives Under Suspicion, as sort of our uh, Valentine's Day pick. (laughs) I love it. It's about about a DA uh, who is... uh, Are the wives under... (laughs) Well, yeah, he's prosecuting a cuckoldry murder and then begins to suspect his own wife is having an affair. Have you seen it yet? I haven't watched it yet, no, so I'm excited. But anyway, so down in front, a uh, local actor and comedian, uh, Alex Sanchez, and I screen public domain films and talk during them. We've also got sort of a morning radio, morning zoo soundboard mm-hmm. that our, our buddy Jamie runs. Uh, it's a good time. Check it out. 7 p.m. on Thursdays at Rodeo Cinema on Film Row. Um, last but certainly not least, if you want to support this show, the one you're listening to, you can go to patreon.com forward slash GTM. That is GTM. And you can find out what's in it for you. Things like uh, having us send you a movie. Maybe you tell us your favorite uh, director is Spike Lee and your favorite actors are uh, Denzel Washington and Angela Bassett. You can you'd find be, yourself you'd the be correct. proud owner of a copy and of Stella's Malcolm X. Got a group? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you never know what the Arthurtron 9000 is going to give you when you tell him what you like. Uh, he'll ask you some of your actors and genres and what, what you're into, and he'll he'll find a suggestion for you. So that's patreon.com forward slash GTM if you want to get on the, uh, the the special mailing list. Oh, or if you want to, you know, if you want to be like me and pick a movie for us to talk about, there's a a tier for that too that's it patreon.com for slash gtm for more info on supporting us arthur well real quick speaking of alex sanchez and oh. local actor uh, i believe Bugman is now on tubi that's true you can go oh. watch locally produced oklahoma made yeah uh, clayton trammell directed uh alex sanchez starring Bugman on tubi do it right now Tubi. do it i tried to get my landlord to watch Bugman. I'm not kidding. This is all. This is a That's real. Fun. This is true. I told my landlord he should watch Bugman on Tubi because he was telling me how much he watches Tubi. That's fun. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Hey, I, I gave him a flyer for Down in Front. Mm. Truly an unhinged thing to do. Yes. But, you know. I love you. I love it. I love it. Well, hey, Arthur. Um, are we going to keep doing the podcast? Um, according to this Word document, I have no. Looks like we ended it here. Okay. So good, yeah. good night and good luck. Bye. Well, yeah, after Arthur oh, said that one thing. Wait, wait, this in. That's just then. All right. Um, well, yeah. Uh, actually, we're going to start a marathon next month. Yay, marathon. Oh, I guess this was the last February episode. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We, we ended last February count. where wow. we should with Malcolm X. Sure. Uh, so we're going to do a, 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 a marathon. Uh, so let's run it back a little bit because... Um, a few months ago, I told you, I texted you guys, I said, hey, you know, uh, we've done a lot of marathons. Uh, we've done a lot of mm-hmm. thematic things. Uh, we've done a lot of high concept nonsense. Uh, you don't know Jack and part threes and all that kind of stuff. But we, sometimes we just do like a, an actor sometimes spotlight. We do, we've done a lot of actors. Uh, Denzel, speaking of. Yeah. yeah. We always be watching Denzel. That's um, one of our greatest marathons of all time. Uh, we, yeah. you know, Summer Sandy and... Mm-hmm. Uh, I Dream of Gina. I Dream of Gina. Uh, and <laughs> so... But I told you we'd never done a director's marathon. 
My God, we haven't. No. In the 12 years that we've done this, that we've never done a director's marathon. I was talking to a friend at a party at a uh, master's wedding. Oh. I was talking to a mutual friend of the show, uh, Daniel Bokemper. Okay. Um, and I was asking, hey, would you ever want to come on? And he's like, yeah, I'd love to talk about older movies. If you ever did something by this director, uh, that'd be really cool. And I was like, okay, I think we could do something with that. Uh, so I, those two thoughts crossed in my head. And I was like, well, why don't we do a director marathon with this director? Uh, because I think... Uh, there will be varying opinions of his work at this table. Some like him more than others, I think. Uh, and so I, I think it's sort of like a, a good, good spot. It's like a good trash auteur or, um, <laughs> maybe I don't know. <laughs> maybe yeah. um, my anticipation is yeah, so high right I now. I can't figure Yeah, I've got no guess. So next week we're going to start a new marathon, uh, called Mordere at Retney. What? Huh? Hmm. Mordere at Red. Sorry, let me hit this. It's called Enter the Red Room. Next week, we start with David Lynch's Dune. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Oh, you got me with course. that, too. So yeah, good. you got my ass. Wow. We are lynching it up, baby. Dude. What Do you want to run down the docket? No, we'll remain surprised. We're going to start with dude and you're gonna get a host pick dustin <gasps> you get to pick any lynch movie you oh, want I'm so other than inland empire because i don't have another three hours to give right now okay fine oh i'll, I'll watch inland empire if you if you want to watch inland empire you can come over and we'll, we'll watch to, together i want to always be watching inland empire. Oh, yeah yeah oh man i am so stoked the owls are not what they seem you keep watching we'll keep talking and we'll see you all next time